Today in Canadian History for March 14th, I'm Mark Affo. March 14th, 1919 marked the second day of the three-day Western Labour Conference in Calgary, Alberta. At the conference, local unions from all across Canada's West voted to form a revolutionary industrial union, to be called the One Big Union. Although the vote to form the One Big Union occurred in March of 1919, the union was not able to actually form until June of the same year, after the conclusion of the Winnipeg General Strike of 1919. The One Big Union was popular primarily in Western Canada. At its peak, however, the union consisted of over 50,000 members from all across the country. To learn more, I spoke with Dr. Ken Coates, a professor of history as well as the Dean of Arts at the University of Waterloo. Dr. Coates, what was it about Canada at this time that led to such a, such a rise in this sort of radicalism in the labor movement? Well, it's important to realize that it wasn't just what's interesting about Canada. The world was in enormous turmoil. We had just gone through one of the most destructive wars in human in human history. Uh, they had left a legacy of death and mayhem all across uh, Western Europe and into into Russia. The Russian Revolution had broken out in the middle of uh, the middle of this. Uh, there had been radical movements all across Germany at this particular time. The um, the war itself had uh, extracted a tremendous toll, both a human and a financial toll, on all sorts of uh, of different countries. It had raised questions about the legitimacy of. Well, even the democratic process, certainly of capitalism as a as a um, sort of an economic form, and so you have the rise of this radical labor movement that's tied to Marxism and Marxist Leninism, tied to the the Russian Revolution, that essentially convinced workers around the world that their time had come. So in that's a huge global context, right? And so you have the the Russian Revolution, you have post-1918 uh, struggles in, in, in uh, Germany, as that country came out of, its, out of its failed war effort. You have labor radicalism across the United States, across Canada, in Australia, New Zealand, right? And this is a case where the industrial workers thought that the rhetoric of Marxism and the rhetoric of socialism actually made sense. And they felt powerful. They felt powerful. They felt that they had, had earned the right to exert their authority. Um, and you've got to put this in the context, too, one other bit of context, that when the Russian Revolution broke out, there was the belief that the ungodly might basically be in charge of the world. That, you know, people who were middle class and, you know, sort of the, the working bourgeoisie and farmers and what have you were terrified about the idea of the, of the workers mobilizing themselves and taking control of government, as they had in Russia. So there's a real anxiety about workers' power. So you put these things together, right? So in Canada, there's a lot of concern about the rising power and the radicalism of, of unions. They, At the end of the war, they released hundreds of thousands of Canadian soldiers back into the workforce, and so they often have trouble getting jobs, or people who had jobs were displaced by soldiers coming back. So there's a high level of unemployment. The government cuts back on a lot of their government purchases for the military and the war effort, which then creates all sorts of other difficulties. So you have created this this uh, a cauldron of tension and animosity and anger that sort of boils over 1918 and 1919. And the main thrust of all of this in all the different pieces is the fact that Workers United could be powerful. 
concept of the one big union is the important part, is that you you bring people together outside of either a company or an industrial sector. So, you know, we're used to unions of loggers. We're used to miners' unions of, you know, unions of longshoremen or what have you, right? These are organizations that or, or trade unions that represent a particular group of workers. The one big union said, essentially, you're more important as a worker than you are as a metal worker, as a construction worker, as a longshoreman. That it's who you are as your place within the industrial system that's most important. And you should find common cause with other workers. Whereas, you know, metal workers sometimes are trying to get an advantage over, over somebody else in the sector. You know, they were they got money, they wanted money away from other people. So it was this idea that we can all get together, basically push a socialist agenda, have the workers take control of the means of production, you know, and basically bring government and business to its knees and to sanity. The one big union was not to last. By 1923, the once massive union of over 50,000 members had been reduced to about 5,000. By 1956, the one big union was absorbed into the Canadian Labour Congress. Dr. Coates, was the one big union at all successful in what it set out to achieve? It, it didn't achieve its goals. I think it was a, a creation of a moment. I mean, there were people before and people after who thought the one big union was a great idea. There's lots of, you know, international workers of the world, the Wobblies, had always had this idea that, well, let's get more of us together. There's power in numbers. There's power in diversity, all that kind of stuff. You know, so so those things are, are, are pretty normal. Um, I think what happened, though, is that this was something that made sense to a larger number of people at a particular time when it looked like globally workers were coming into their own. And when government showed that it was stronger, when the economy picked up, uh, started to pick up, and jobs actually were created, uh, when the Russian Revolution was shown to be a mixed blessing at best, uh, all of a sudden the thing came, okay, maybe the one big union isn't the good idea, and it disappeared fairly quickly. Today is a day full of Canadian history. Emily Murphy was born on this date back in 1868. Murphy would go on to become the first magistrate in the British Empire, as well as one of the famous five, the group of women who in 1923 won the Supreme Court battle to have women finally recognized as persons. Also on this day, Saskatchewan women gained the right to vote and hold provincial office on March 14th of 1916. And as always, we aired this episode of Today in Canadian History. Today in Canadian History is produced by CJSW 90.9 FM. The executive producers are Joe Burma and Mark Affeld. Original music is produced by the Fisk, Fletcher, and May Trio. Our series is not meant to be a definitive source on our past. Instead, we hope that it sparks a desire to learn more about our unique history. For more information on the series or to recommend an event or moment, check out our website at cjsw.com slash today in Canadian history. All right, once again, it's Canadian quiz time. And this one is a tough one for all you Canadian history nerds out there. One of the leaders of the Winnipeg General Strike would go on to become the first leader of the Cooperative Commonwealth Federation, or CCF, which is the forerunner of today's National Democratic Party. Who was this leader? See? I told you it was a tough one. The first leader of the CCF was J.S. Woodsworth. <laughs> 